0: Welcome to the Way of the Weaver podcast, where we explore magic, justice, and community.
1: Thanks for showing up to our queer-centric, radically enchanted conversations. Our world needs your magic.
0: I'm Jamie Wagoner. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm coming to you from Muskogee Land in so-called Alabama.
1: And I'm Murphy Robinson. My pronouns are he, him, or they, them. And I'm coming to you from Indakana, the land of the Abenaki people, also known as Vermont.
0: Welcome to episode 13. And today we're going to be discussing a really fun topic. We're going to be talking about ecstatic ritual and re-enchantment.
1: So on that topic, Jamie... Um, Will you tell us about the first, like, really memorable community ritual that you attended in, like, a pagan context? What was it like?
0: Uh, I've been to many, many rituals. This wasn't the first ritual I ever attended, but the first, like, really memorable, like, wow moment I had was hosted by... um, a woman named Elisa Starkweather, and it was at a women's festival that I used to attend. And the it was held outside. And as the ritual began, there was a storm sort of rolling in. So the wind was starting to whip up and you could kind of hear thunder in the distance, but the storm hadn't quite got to the hill where we were. Um, so it was very atmospheric. And and Elisa is a very compelling ritualist, a super um, amazing storyteller. And so she guided the ritual and sort of the energy of it uh, around a particular story, like a retold sort of fairy tale that she was telling. And then she would go back and forth with like getting audience engagement and getting us to sing or getting us to sort of like emote and like make noises and between elisa's presence like charisma and the storm it was really amazing this like sort of crescendo of emotions like it really felt like we were like like riding the energy towards something so i think that that was the the first like really memorable ritual that i attended what about Mm -hmm. you
1: um thanks for sharing that story that was like i feel like there's um not always, but often with a really experienced ritualist, there is like an element where like weather is part of the a participant mm-hmm. in the ritual, you know, like some mm-hmm. cool things will happen with um, the elements sort of joining in. So it's cool that that happened in your in your ritual. Um, for me, I think that um, I mean, it would it would really just be the. um the first big goddess ritual at a gathering I used to go to called women's circles. Um, you know, I mean, you and I both sort of started in the feminist spirituality movement and then like have, have grown and shifted our practice as like queer gender politics have evolved in the world and all of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I got my start at a at a week long uh, women's spirituality camp called Women's Circles in Rome, Massachusetts. This was in, I think it was in 1999, like in the last last millennium. Um, and um, I had just turned 18. I was like barely eligible to go. Um, and the ritual was um was had been we had a high priestess that had been preparing for it for for months and months, and it was a ritual to Arian Road, the Celtic star goddess. Um, and the, it was an aspecting ritual where the, the, the priestess Eclipse Faye Falconbridge was, um, inviting Erin Road to enter her body and, you know, speak through her lips and, and see through her eyes and all of that. And I'd never experienced before that before. I didn't, I didn't know what that was about. Um, and I really consider it my like pagan conversion experience, that ritual. <laughs> like, like I, I came to this women's camp and it was like, pretty big culture shock like I was what I was seeking I'd been like reading books on Wicca and stuff like that and this was like actually a community experience and I was into it but I also was like meeting all these people that were talking about like the fairies that live in their house plants and like you know just all these things that were like kind of outside of my uh realm of experience in terms of like energetic beings and stuff like that and so I was like wow these people are really nice and they also seem a little wacko (laughs) um but like, I don't, I'm just going to sort of suspend my disbelief and and see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. And then during this ritual to Arian Road, um, you know, there was all this beautiful build up with like chant and raising energy together. And then when Arian Road, the star goddess, came into Eclipse and started interacting with people around the circle, I just felt the like most powerful energy you know it felt like a giant had just entered the room and um yeah, i remember the, the I, goddess yeah the, the I goddess can imagine. was
0: arian road is arian road is is gravitas like there is presence yes, there she yeah. is
1: fierce too she's like not mm-hmm. a particularly friendly mm-hmm. goddess <laughs> she's Mm-mm. like no no she's not Mm-mm. um and she Which was is like, "What walking... we love about
0: her, but still. I know
1: very powerful." <laughs> um, and she was walking around the circle and like making eye contact with everyone. And I remember when she like made eye contact with me, it just felt like I was the like bug under her heel that she could crush at any moment. Like it was just like <laughs> such a powerful, like energetic encounter. Um, like she didn't seem unfriendly, but she did seem kind of like just on such a different realm that I felt very, very small. And I think that's one of the things that I like out of ritual is like feeling small and feeling like there are larger forces out there that um, we're collaborating with and just being in the presence of that, that numinous energy. Um, So it was like very powerful, very compelling, um, sort of like scary in the best way. Like I wasn't, I was yeah. it wasn't in like a bad kind of fear, but I was like in awe. I was like awestruck. Yeah. Um and I don't even remember everything that happened in the ritual, but I just that moment was very, very um energetically charged. And after that I was like, I'm sold, the goddess is real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I um I've had the chance to attend some rituals led by Eclipse as well, um, at that festival that I was talking about. And Eclipse is a very good ritualist, an extremely, extremely um, really good at directing ritual and making it powerful and compelling for everyone. And I don't know. I mean, what do you think some of the common elements are between these rituals? Like, why are these the ones that are so high impact for us?
1: I mean, it sounds like both of them had um like highly skilled people structuring them and directing mm-hmm. the energy, which definitely you know. I feel like. Sometimes you can kind of accidentally hit that high of a note with a, a bunch of like really new folks, but it really helps if people have just skill with with um, navigating those energies yeah. and guiding a group yeah. through it. So it's like, it's like you've got, it's like instead of being a herd of wild horses, you've got like a jockey on a racehorse who's actually like taking it where it needs to go or something like that with, yeah. with the energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also really like it when there is, for me for me personally, I mean, people have different things that they like about ritual. I really like it when there's a story that I can engage with, right? Like when there's like a story that I can like be immersed in, or there is a deity there or, uh, or, a, you know, a myth that we're working with. I find that that really helps me get out of my head and get into that imaginative, like play space, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think they, they both sounded like pretty participatory on an energetic level with like chanting yeah. and toning and like really one of the things I love about pagan ritual is that it's not a spectator sport. Like yeah, every, everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone is requested to really be engaged in the energetic process that's happening. And, and you can feel that and it, it you're a part of it. You know, you're not just watching.
0: Yeah. I feel like, you know, when you were a kid and You played a lot and you used your imagination a lot. I it being a pagan ritual kind of reminds me of that. Like I feel like it really re-enchants the world. Like it like you said, you're like, I I don't, you know, I don't quite these these people might be (laughs) I'm not really sure what's going on with them, but I'm just gonna suspend my disbelief. And you sort of learn to do that. And then after a while, at least for me, it became kind of natural to to i didn't really find myself having to suspend my disbelief anymore i could just shift into that ritual play space and yeah and the world is just a whole lot more enchanted since i started doing ritual
1: <laughs> oh yeah i mean I, I think i've now become one of the wacky people that talks about their invisible friends you know like that's uh, who happen to be deities or land, yes. or land spirits have. or whatever yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I will is... on the
0: regular be sitting around saying, wow, I can feel I can hear Caredwin laughing in my head. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I I feel like that's that shift from <laughs> suspending disbelief into actual. It's not even belief because it's like first person mm-hmm. experience. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're just you're just yeah. believing what your senses are telling you.
0: Yeah. It was like a, you know, yeah, it's very much not, I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't sit down and say, oh, well, I didn't believe yesterday and today I believe like that wasn't the, you know, it it was not that logical. It was more of a, you know, leaning into my curiosity and like wanting to be there and seeing what was there for me. And after a while it just became natural, I guess. I don't know.
1: You know? Yeah. I think it's sort of that way with like spell work and stuff too. Like the first, first dozen times you do it, you're like, well, I don't know if it's really going to work, but I'm just going to try it and we'll see what happens. And then when it like works enough times, you're like, no, I'm going to do a spell and it's going to work. Cause that's what happens every time, you know, like, um, yeah, there's that, that transition into trusting your, your experience, even if you don't have like a scientific explanation for it.
0: Yeah. And I you know, I think in, um, in, in modern religious culture, um, we're not really we're not. We're encouraged to to sort of believe more in like authority or sort of top down gnosis that is coming from outside ourselves, and it's you know it's also a process of like learning to trust what's coming from within again, you know, to sort of return to that innate wisdom that we all have. So it's that's also part of the magic.
1: Yeah, when um, when people talk about like faith in a sort of monotheistic religious con- context, it does sound like you're like deciding to believe in what other people are telling you is true. Whereas I feel like in the pagan context, it's more about like, let's all have a somatic experience and then let's trust Mm -hmm. our own somatic experience. And that's where we're getting the like confirmation from.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a, 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 just back to something that you said, one of the things that makes rituals so awesome is that when the container is held very well by, you know, the participants and a really skilled facilitator. But what's happening is the entire community is participating, right? Like everybody's sort of lending their energy. Everybody's using their voice, everybody. And, you know, people, people are comfortable with different levels of things. So someone, you know, someone, might be comfortable singing very loud. Someone else might be comfortable just humming along. That's totally cool, right? Like that, you know, that sort of like spectrum of various ways of interacting. But the, the point is that it's, it's communal, like the whole collective is doing it together. And I don't know, why do you think that, why do you think doing ritual in community as opposed to by yourself is so awesome?
1: It definitely is a different experience. I mean, I've had great experiences with both, but I feel like when you're doing ritual with other people, the like wattage increases, you know, you've got like more people there <laughs> cont- contributing yeah. to the co-creation, helping to raise the energy, mm-hmm. um, you know, bringing their kind of emotional power into the group experience, and it just mm-hmm. kind of like hits a little deeper in in really like helpful ways, I think. Um, yeah yeah, it can be a little bit hard to like marshal so much energy and conviction when you're totally alone like if you're if you're in a time where you're really just like ready for it you could do it but like it just really helps to be able to kind of entrain with the people around you and come into this state together
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and you can see yourself reflected in others and you can see yourself kind of contrasted with others like you can kind of yeah, it's a kind of a different experience as opposed to like just a solo ritual where you may not have so so many opportunities for like mirroring, you know. Um yeah, and I feel like um you of course can use any magical technique when you're by yourself if you want to. You can choose your own adventure, right? Cuz you are <laughs> your own best spiritual authority. However, I feel like some of the really more like powerful techniques work well in a collective setting because you have more people to hold and support the energy, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some, some techniques that I personally never engage in solo because they are, um, there's just like, you're, you're moving so much energy that it feels safer to do it when you have that support of people around yes. you, such as aspecting, like I talked yes. about with the Aryan ritual, like, you know, in, in Weave of the Weaver, we, we recommend that people never aspect when they're alone um, yes. because that is, yeah. it's like channeling a really powerful energy. And sometimes you need like a little bit of help and support coming back and grounding after that. Um, yeah. And so we feel like it's more safe when that can be held and tended in community and you know, similar with a lot of oracular work. I mean, if you're going to like mm-hmm. do a tarot reading or, you know, that's sort of different because it's kind of contained within your tools. But if you're, if it's like straight up, like Oracle, like speaking bringing knowledge through um from the from the I don't know what you would call it from the other world um <laughs> that's another thing where you you've opened this portal mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. energy is moving through and it's great to have some backup
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you know and there's like you there's a, a term that Um, is used a lot in reclaiming witchcraft certainly but other types as well um, is this idea of building a cone of power so basically kind of like 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 focusing and condensing like a huge amount of energy to fuel magic and then sending it out into the universe kind of in a big like you know just a big sort of like moment and um that's definitely something that that Work, it's a technology that is is good in a collective type of ritual.
1: Um yeah, it would be a lot of work to try and do that alone. And you can also, I mean, if you're in a ritual with like 130 people building a cone of power, that's just a very different scale of what you can accomplish mm-hmm. than if you're doing it alone because everyone's contributing exactly. their their intention to it.
0: Exactly. And you know, you can do a lot of um like you said, you you sort of entrain with other people's energy. A lot of ecstatic expression can occur, right? Like because the container is building it and holding it and supporting it. And it almost becomes kind of like co-regulation <laughs> among the people in the ritual. And yeah, like very ecstatic co-regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like sometimes that can help you reach like states that are that are hard to reach, you know? Like, um, like, uh, mental emotional states that are hard to reach.
1: Yeah. When, when I talk with friends of mine who engage in like psychedelic explorations using plant allies, which is not something that I practice myself, um, when they talk about their experiences, I often feel like, oh yeah, I've been in that state of mind. It was just in a big community ritual. Um, and like, uh, like I'm able to like shift into that different mode of consciousness but it's like maybe a little more controlled maybe a little more reversible easier to come down because it's it's like you learn to like work those levers within your own Mm -hmm. brain and then you also have like the support of people around you if you're finding it harder to come back down and um but yeah i do think we can sort of learn to access those kinds of states intentionally in a controlled way um And it's maybe not exactly the same as using the plant allies to do that. I can't compare because I haven't done that mode. But it feels feels very similar. When I've talked to people about my experiences and their experiences, they are like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a similar thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um. Well, we've done a lot of really fun rituals with Way of the Weaver. Um, our rituals are great; they are so creative. And um, you know, as you know, we are not we are we are more for shaking up the rules and shaking up the paradigms rather than reinforcing hard rules and structures. So um, I think it might be fun just to review a couple of the uh, sort of the highlights from <laughs> the past five years of ritual um, to give people a taste of what we're talking about. And, uh, yeah. the first
1: and I, one... I, oh, I I just think Go that ahead. one of the one of the reasons that our rituals have sort of gotten more and more interesting and exciting over the years, I think, is that we have leaned more into like co-planning ritual with the deities involved. Like we, we do yes. a lot of trance mm-hmm. work and stuff like that and really let a lot of the ritual structure and ideas and chants and everything like that come through and be guided by deity, which has resulted in us doing things that we never would have come up on our own that have been like really powerful.
0: Yes, Um, I was going to start out with the Loki dance party.
1: Yes, (laughs) we had an amazing like shadow work dance party ritual with Loki that was pretty awesome
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, and that was that that was you you were aspecting loki and so you were the one that had worked with loki for like you know like i I mean i don't know exactly when you started but it would have been at least at least two months ahead to see what loki what loki wanted you know and what we should do
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was also the one where like we weren't gonna work with loki and then he like arranged to cancel our retreat until a time when we could work with Loki. That was interesting. But anyway, he really wanted to come through. I felt like that was him at work. But um, yeah, that was, he wanted to do a dance party. And he wanted, mm-hmm. Loki wanted to dance with people while he was with us in Aspect. And that was something we had never done as a tradition before. We'd always done like the deity sits in the mm-hmm. chair and then people come and talk to them. Like it was, it was a very different kind of thing. And he also, when we had time for like, dialogue with the deity we did it in like a full group format where like Mm -hmm. we were all kind of sitting in the meat hall and just like shooting the shit with loki you know um (laughs) versus a like one-on-one you know personal consultation and yeah yeah, he just had a lot of like different ideas of how to do things that were i think really like really opened up stuff in our in our toolkit
0: you know, I will say I am one of those people that is not. I, I'm a bit of a slow starter when it comes to dancing in groups. <laughs> that is not really my most uh, favorite thing. I um, I feel very self conscious. <laughs> but um, but I did dance in that ritual. I you know I danced the the whole time that everybody else was dancing, and um, and I really enjoyed myself, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the whole point was that it was kind of a shadow work dance party that we were working and I did work through some shadowy type of issues. Uh, and but again, like I was supported by the group. I didn't feel stupid and I didn't feel silly and I didn't feel like super self-conscious because I was like, oh, OK, this is, you know, I was kind of able to like ride the moment and ride the energy and it, and it really helped, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. and Loki picked the playlist too and that was a pretty good playlist (laughs) (laughs) it was a good
0: playlist yeah those songs like they cracked me up and actually in the show notes we have some um, we have a Way of the Weaver uh, a quote unquote hard music playlist which is like faster tunes and then we have a slow playlist which is like softer tunes I can put those links in the show notes if you're interested some of those Loki dance party songs are on the
1: (laughs) are on the faster playlist playlist. (laughs) that's awesome (laughs)
0: One of my, um, one of the most recent rituals we did was at Weaver Camp in July, and it was another new format that we had done. And basically it was, we were working with the Lady of the Lake for Weaver Camp, and she was the one that brought this format forward. And it was very surprising because she asked us to interweave uh, the runes, which we had worked with runes a lot, um, to interweave the runes into sort of a... Sort of old, uh, like you know, a a sort of like putting ourselves in the roles of like priestesses, uh, oracular priestesses, and sitting in like nine chairs with nine rules, uh, excuse me, runes, and you know, and then we all sort of took turns, like speaking from the seat of that rune, and it was the lady that kind of you know, put forth the idea. And then we collaborated in a group and tried to figure out like how to make it happen. And that ritual was really, really cool. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, and I think, you know, we, we I can't remember how many pages of, of in the moment oracular poetry <laughs> I copied down, but it was like 10 pages worth of stuff because a lot of things came through.
1: Yeah. It was like a guide to, apocalypse from the from the maidens of avalon it was pretty amazing
0: (laughs) yeah so that was cool and then i i can't let this go by without mentioning the the epic tailgating with hermes ritual
1: oh that one was so fun (laughs) that one really yeah i love in that one how we like we we broke the like oh it must be sacred and serious kind of wall and you know we we it was outdoors in daylight and we had a bunch of cars pulled up in the four directions with their like trunks up or their tailgates popped and so those were like the stations for the four directions cuz hermes is such yep. a traveler so we had these cars and everything yep. and uh yeah it was just like very what's the word like it, it wasn't serious but it was really powerful
0: Yeah, it was, you know, it it really went because and also it really it was very Hermes because Hermes like treads that line of sacred and profane. Right. Like he he really treads that line. And that's what that ritual felt like, too. Right. Like one of those tailgating stations was like like a dress up station, like kind of like a like dress up, like try on different. Clothes, try on different sovereignties, like, you know, try on trickster roles, try on things. And like, people were over there, like, dressing themselves up and like dancing around in one corner. There was another corner to like, Build like stacks of stones that are called herms. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There was gambling because Hermes has so many. I mean, he's a traveler. He's in charge of gambling. He's a bit of a trickster. He's a bit of a psychopomp. He's, you know, he he, you know, he's the guardian of uh, folks that don't have homes. You know, like like he's he's so many things, and it, it really came out in that ritual, and that was. It was so fun, and then at the end of it, he climbed into a truck, uh, pointed west, and and we drove off into the sunset. So...
1: <laughs> well, and he, I remember when he was talking to people, he would you would like take a walk with Hermes, like you he weren't mm-hmm. where you weren't sitting down. He wanted to like stroll with you around the sacred circle and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and like be in motion. It was just a very different flavor. He had his whole own thing going on.
0: Yeah. Oh, and he wanted
1: to sing a Kenny Rogers song too. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Oh goodness we invoked him into our presence by singing um kenny rogers the gambler
1: (laughs) yeah that was that was a wonderfully irreverent ritual (laughs) i
0: felt like that was super inspired and and also i felt like you know when we did get started in the ritual and we were singing that chorus from the gambler i mean hermes came like he just arrived he was like you called
1: (laughs) that one was also cool because that was one you know at the end of our multi-month like training group cohorts the spider threads cohorts Mm -hmm. we um we've gotten people to the point where some folks are ready to step up and try aspecting themselves who you know who who were beginners at the start of the program um and so that was one where one of our weavers who had learned these skills over time with us was the one who was doing all of this preparation work with hermes and who was aspecting hermes during the time and you know that weaver just like brought through all of this stuff really really confidently and it was just it's it's so exciting to see like the spread of these skills because it is it's yeah. such a niche skill set. There's not a lot of people in the world that even know what this means, let alone know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think and- it's a really powerful tool
0: yeah you know and usually when we do our our longer cohorts you know either you or i will do aspecting once just to kind of um to show people how it looks right and then it's really interesting to see other people do it um especially because for example like with the hermes ritual i don't think you or i would have <laughs> ever come up with you know how creative that um ended up being and it, and it was really really awesome so
1: yeah Cool.
0: And Elsie, gosh, we've worked with uh, we've worked with amazing deities uh, in ritual. We've worked with Skadi, with Caridwen. We've worked with Hades, Persephone, Hecate, uh, Loki, um Selene, Artemis, Hermes, Lady of the Lake. <laughs> yeah, we so, got a
1: good list of friends going.
0: Mhm, mhm. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a little bit. We want to talk a little bit about why Ecstatic uh, Collective Community Ritual is so fun because we are opening up our longer cohort this year, our Spider Threads cohort. And that's where you get to come and experience it with the Weaver community. And so we wanted to give people kind of a taste of what that's like. (laughs) And, you know, we, we hope that you'll join us for this because it's good stuff. It's really good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's and I'm excited about the slightly adjusted format for it this time. It's gonna be May through October versus over the winter. So that'll be like mm-hmm. slightly easier easier travel and you know fewer blizzards getting in the way. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see. <laughs> um and yeah, it's just this deep, deep dive into like the core skill sets of the ethical magic that, that Way of the Weaver is all about. Um and takes the form of three long weekends. They're like Thursday through Sunday. Um, fully catered delicious food Um, and then we have like zooms to connect in between and and learn more material and stuff and yeah yeah, i just i I think our program is so like like queer centric and trans inclusive and Mm -hmm. people build such deep friendships in the in the program and like a community that really lasts you know i think people really keep in touch with each other and and um create bonds that matter which is like so important in these times you know i've i know i personally have like made an intentional pivot in the past year to like kind of focusing on my close relationships above all else as like my apocalypse skill set of like just being really connected (laughs) and having like trust and uh inter interweaving networks with the people around me and i feel like way of the weaver is one of the ways that that we're able to build that um and you know we've got our our ethics around cultural appropriation and and all of that that is I you know, I feel like it's starting to creep its way into the more wider pagan consciousness, but not as fast really? as I would like. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I go to other yeah. other pagan contexts, I'm like, oh, I wish this was a little further along. Um, yeah. But you know we're we're all we're all learning as we go along. Yeah. Well, um, I know all pretty...
0: of the. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, oh, the just... details. For... Yeah, the details for that are on our website. It's wayoftheweaver.com. The enrollment portal is going to open very soon. I know we've been talking about it for a couple months now, but it is going to open in February. But Murphy, I know that there's also a couple more camps you want to tell us about. So tell us about the couple other camp opportunities that are coming up as well.
1: Uh, So we have a one weekend Weaver camp for people who don't want to commit to the full like six month program and want to just come for a weekend. Um, And then I'm also running a bunch of transgender camps this summer, um, two trans mass camps and a trans camp for all sorts of trans people. Um, Those are going to be in July, August and September and enrollment is going to open for those on April 6th. Um, and they usually sell out within 24 hours. So you got to like get on the website on April 6th to get a spot. <laughs>
0: yeah, you should um, definitely that, check that out. Yeah. If that's yeah. Um, if you're a trans person and you want to check that out, do it because I hear nothing but rave reviews about those camps, like life changing, amazing, amazing stuff that that you're doing at
1: those camps. Oh, Thanks, Jamie. What are you you're what welcome. do you got coming up?
0: Truth. (laughs) Well, um, by the time this episode drops, Hades will be here, which is incredible. Um, So, I'm doing book signing events in both Birmingham and Atlanta throughout February, March, and April. You can check out my website if you're in the area or will be in the area and you want to stop by and chat me up. I would love to meet you. Also, by the time this episode drops, you'll still have time to uh, register for a couple conferences I'll be at. I'll be at uh, Botanica Obscura, which is uh, the first part of March, March 8th through 10th, and I'll be at Paganicon in Minnesota. And that the Botanica Obscura is online. Paganicon is in person so um, at Botanica Obscura I'm talking about plants of the underworld and at Paganicon I will be uh, doing uh, my short uh, short lecture on death pre-sixing and also doing a lecture about Hades and how to get to know him who he really is and how to build a working relationship with him so check those out if you're interested and if you want to check out the book, Hades, Myth, Magic, and Modern Devotion, um, you can order it from Llewellyn's website, you can order it from your local bookstore, or you can order it through bookshop.org. And again, we'll put links to all of this good stuff in our show notes.
1: Yes, congrats on the book, Jamie. It's such an exciting moment.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think that's it. Should we roll the credits?
1: Yeah, that's it for today.
0: All right. All right. Thanks for joining us. You can learn more about the Way of the Weaver programs at www.wayoftheweaver.com. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends. It also helps if you write us a review.
1: Our theme music is by Fern Maddie. Find more from her at FernMaddyMusic.com. Remember that magic is real, present all around us, and a profound tool for justice and transformation. Use it well.